Continuing to talk about Antichrist and uh, in our study of the book of Daniel. Um, how's that for um, church growth right there, right? Let's talk about Antichrist. Um, uh, so as I was thinking about this, it's kind of like a puzzle. It's kind of like a puzzle. We, we have pieces that we're kind of putting together. And even as I say that, I realize that uh, most of the puzzles that I like to do are the wood puzzles with the little uh, the little knob on there that you can just put it and it's real simple and you feel real. Uh, this is the, the million piece puzzle, you know, and uh, as we've got the pieces strewn out all over the place, um, it's kind of difficult. And so I just want to encourage you with that, uh, if that's not that encouraging. But, uh, uh, but just this idea this morning that uh, we are just looking at a few pieces. Uh, we can't get the whole picture. Uh, very, very difficult. Very, very difficult. And um, I may have bit off more than I can chew, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, this morning, let me just pray for us as we begin. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you're a God in control, sovereign uh, over all things, but especially your plan as you work that out. Uh, God, help us to gain great comfort and confidence, not because we are in control, but because you are in control, but because you understand and you can uh, bring about your plan. Uh, God, we ask that you would help us to see as clear as possible for us as your people, your children this morning, uh, that we might know uh, steps ahead and most of all that we would cling to Jesus, uh, the only one, uh, the only one worthy of our lives, but the only one who can save us from what is to come. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, um, I want to start there this morning and just remind you of God's plan for you, uh, His plan for you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verses 9 through 11 says this, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Uh, one of the difficulties of living in the world that we live in and even knowing the events that are to come is uh, it's easy to freak out. I'm not pointing any fingers, but uh, you, you can if you're sitting by someone who tends to freak out or something like that. Your husband, your wife, you know, your kids, your mom. Uh, but um, there's, a, there's a tendency for us to get wound up in the details and go, oh no, I'm not in control. I, I can't figure this out. I, I need to know. I, I'm one of those people that need to know. And nobody's giving me the answers of what's going on in our world today. And I need to know. And if I don't know, I can't be uh, confident and calm. And so you're never confident and calm because you're always flipped out over uh, what's going on in the world. I'm not pointing any fingers, but I talked to one lady right before the service. And uh, we, we kind of covenanted with one another that we wouldn't talk to one another about the news because neither one of us felt that great about it. Anyways, <clears throat> I want you to know, I want you to get as, as a person that is saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ, to get this stuck in your mind, that, that the wrath of God, the anger of God, you will not experience. 
Why? Because God has uh, saved you from that. His plan for you is your salvation, your, your eternal salvation. That's why he uh, came, uh, Jesus came. That's why he went to the cross. He stood in your place. And, and now you have this sweet relationship with him, him being your Lord, your Savior. And so we are confident. Uh, we know that um, he died for us. And so it doesn't matter if we are alive or we die. It doesn't matter because he is the one who has made us confident. Uh, we've struggled in these last days, uh, these last years, uh, with this idea, you know, how are you afraid of dying? Well, there, let me count the ways. Let me count the ways. And, you know, there's going to be this disease and then there's going to be another disease and then there's going to be another disease or then there's going to be, you know, food shortages or then there's going to be this and that and this and that. And, you know, you know, Pastor, could you calm us down a little bit here? Give me some good news. I want to tell you the good news is this, that because Christ died for us, verse 10, uh, whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. We'll be with him. It's, it's all good. And the Encouragement for us is to encourage one another with these words, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Um, <clears throat> what should be happening here this morning, and not just this morning, but during the week as well, uh, as we're honest about the fears and sins that we struggle with, we can calm each other down. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. You're his. And because you're his, it doesn't matter if you're awake or asleep. It doesn't matter if you're dead or alive. Uh, why? Because you'll be with him forever. And so this is the place I'd like to start this morning as we look at some of these end time events. Uh, end time events, last things, is the study of eschatology. Uh, I don't particularly like these theological terms because some of you this morning just heard when I said eschatology, and you said, I've never used that word nor heard that word, um, and you wouldn't have been able to understand that it's the thing of last things. And so I want to use words that you can understand, but as you read, uh, this is the study of eschatology. And I, I want to tell you uh, that we live in a world where crazy things are going on right now. Um, and I don't know if you feel this way as you watch the news or if you hear things, and this is the way I feel. Uh, my kids like to watch uh, the Avengers or the Revengers or Captain America or Nemo or whoever it is. Uh, they like to watch these uh, amazing like things. But I watch those and I, I go, oh, it's so unrealistic, so unrealistic. And then as I see what's going on in the news, I want to say, oh, that's so unrealistic. Wait, that's happening, you know, or maybe it's happening, or at least they're talking like, I don't know. And so uh, what, where we come to our crazy world that we live in, there's all kinds of uh, um, crazy things that are going on, wicked things. Uh, you know, even I know that I have a limit to what I can handle and the wickedness of this world and knowing what's going on. I have a, I have a limit because if I think too long about it, um, it'll bother my soul and it'll cripple me from the things that I need to do. But as I look at this crazy and wicked world, 
Um, it really, truly has nothing on what is to come. Nothing. And so as we uh, pursue this uh, course of study in the, these verses that we're going to look at this morning, I warn you with that. Uh, we won't get the details or even really great pictures, detailed pictures, but I, we get warnings and um, bits and pieces of what is to come. Last week we looked at uh, Antichrist and we realized that there's really the spirit of Antichrist, this idea that uh, there's thoughts and ideas and spirits and movements in this world that are against Jesus. They're against what he is and they seek to take his spot or place uh, in our lives and draw us away from the one anointed one, the one special one that, that is going to go to the cross is the only Savior for us. The spirit of Antichrist. Secondly, there are Antichrists. There are actual people, uh, both in history and even now, that aren't the Antichrist, but they are seeking to do that. They're seeking to, to draw you away and to take the, the spot that only Christ has in your life. Uh, they're, they're seeking to draw you away. And that's idolatry, right? It, when we worship that which is not God, uh, when we worship someone other than Christ, that is idolatry. And then, uh, as we've seen in the book of Daniel, there is the Antichrist, the one that is to come, the one that is to come. And we spoke of uh, a few passages last week, uh, mostly in First John, First and Second John, uh, about the Antichrist that will come. So now uh, I want to start in the book of Daniel where we've been in our study. And uh, it's a struggle because uh, we're in the book of Daniel, but we're studying the Antichrist, which is mostly in the New Testament. But we got to go back to the book of Daniel to get there in a passage that we haven't gone through. We're in chapter 7, but Daniel chapter 9 is where it speaks of what, what is to come. And Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, God's word says this, And he shall make, uh, speaking of this one, this one that is to come, and he, uh, he shall make a strong covenant uh, with many for one week. And for half of the week, he shall put an end to the sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. Okay, and I know those are rough words and uh, pictures there, but we'll get more into this as we go back to the book of Daniel. But what we get there is a covenant uh, or a peace treaty. And as you look at uh, what this Antichrist will bring, he will bring about a peace treaty. Um, Peace treaties are good, right? They're good. It's good that we have a ceasefire. It's good that we're no longer fighting. Uh, but it depends what is given up and who's in charge and who gets the credit. And so as you look to future events and what's going on, there will be peace, uh, a peace treaty, not necessarily a good one, uh, brought about by Antichrist. And uh, there's this idea of one week, one week. Uh, in the same book of Daniel, it talks about 70 weeks and this being the last week. And so uh, this morning, if you can just get this in your mind right now and we'll come back to it in our study, the 70th week of Daniel. Um, 
this is the special, uh, like bringing about the, the, this time at the end and, and all that, that is leading up to it. And, and so as Daniel puts it, uh, uh, there'll be one week, one week, and uh, as we see these weeks pour out, it's not just one seven, uh, it's seven days, but these days are years actually. And then it says, for half a week he shall put it, and, it, and then he separates it. So there are two pieces, and we, our assumption is because there's two pieces, if they're equal parts, three and a half. So you have a, a seven-year period with two three-and-a-half-year periods. And it speaks of the one, the Antichrist, as the one who uh, abominations and makes desolate. Makes desolate. We'll come back to that. Abominations and makes desolate. But uh, it says in this last verse, verse 27, it says, um, it says, and uh, until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. There's an end to this, this desolator. So what we see is the Antichrist being a part of this one week time. And, and we don't know what that time is. We just know that it's this period, seven periods, and, and it's half of it is one way and half of it is another. And so uh, we look to the New Testament. I, I want to tell you that there is a bit of frustration that comes to the study of these things because you're going, I have questions that need answering. And uh, God's uh, desire is not to answer all of our questions, but to know that something is coming, someone is coming, and some of the events of what is coming, okay? So uh, we see that in Daniel. There's more to be seen in Daniel, but we we don't have time this morning, but we will get back to it, I promise you, as far as I can promise. Um, I always want to remember my plans uh, are not like the plans I'm reading about, and neither are yours, by the way. So uh, turn over to Matthew chapter 24, Uh, actually, this period of time that we're looking at, I'll just tell you it's the tribulation, it's the tribulation, Uh, and and I want to talk to you about tribulation, tribulation, so John 16, I know you're going to Matthew 24, we'll put John 16 up there, but Matthew 24 is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time here this morning. In John 16, verse 33, it says this, I have said these things to you, that in me you have, may have peace, and in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, take heart, I have overcome the world. And so as you look at the New Testament and Jesus' warnings and encouragements, what does he say? He says, there's going to be tribulation in this world. Um, is there tribulation in this world? Yeah, you, you, could, you could talk. You say, tribulation in the world? There's tribulation in my own house, you know? Um, we, we got problems. We got struggles. And so uh, know this. It, there, there's a certain ridiculous gospel that doesn't work, that isn't a saving gospel that says, if you come to Christ, all your problems will go away. It's not true. It's not true, uh, unless you're crazy and you can't see reality. You're out of touch with reality. I, I want to tell you that, that if you look through the New Testament, uh, both 
the, the words of Jesus and uh, his uh, apostles as they shared, right? They talked about difficulty, not apart from following Christ, but as you follow Christ, there's going to be problems. And so know that this word tribulation uh, is connected with these everyday struggles that we have. Sometimes amazing struggles, amazing struggles. Um, that's the word tribulation. But know this, um, there's just regular tribulations. And then there's even the, the tribulation, the seven-year period. And then there's great tribulation, great tribulation. Um, I want to get there. So Matthew chapter 24, we looked at this last week. Matthew chapter 24, um, quite a bit of information. And uh, unfortunately, um, I'm just slow. I'm just slow. Um, And when I say slow, I'm slow in motion, but I'm also slow of learning. Um, We're not going to get much to Revelation uh, this morning. Um, but we will come back and, and work that in in our study of Daniel uh, because much of it is connected. In Matthew chapter 24, um, you see in verse 4 uh, the end of the age or the, the, the warning from Christ to his disciples. And because it was his disciples to his nation as well, his people, uh, he shares with them there's, there's an end coming. And this is what he said. We looked at this briefly last week. In chapter 24, verse 4, uh, it says this. Um, and Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many, many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. Uh, but... But the end is not yet. Verse 7, the nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of birth pains. As you look at this, um, there's this tough thing, this picture right now in verse 7 that says, what will happen? Nation will be against nation. Uh, what else will happen? It says nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Is that happening now? Yes. Yes, it is. But in a much more um, pronounced and prophetic way, it will happen at that time. At that time where these things will come about, these end time things. And it says, these are the birth pains. And as I shared last week, ladies, I'm not, I'm not an expert, okay? Um, but I know this, that as time co- comes forward, the, the pains intensify and there's birth pains, but then there's also the actual birth, the game time, if you will. And so we get this picture of it coming, it coming. And so as, as we look at this, we see this, but we also will see it in a greater way uh, in this seven-year period, the first part being this nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, earthquakes in various places. Um, I want to stop there for a minute and just say this. 
Uh, as we look at the future of, like, when I say the future, I'm talking about next year. <laughs> next year. As we look at next year, um, we look at nation against nation, people against people. Uh, we look at famines and this and that. And, and, and there's a sense where we look at what's happening in our world and we say, this could happen in the next year. And, and in, in your minds, uh, most of us are, are like to be prepared for things, right? And so how do you prepare for famine? Buy food. No. You buy chickens. <laughs> Plant a garden. Maybe you do buy food. You buy the huge bags of rice. Huge. Like, just huge. You get a wheat grinder, right? You know, I'm going to... You know, I'm going to be able to do this and figure out. I can, I can be self-sufficient. I can be self-sufficient. I want to tell you uh, that that's not what this is talking about. There's, I want to assure you that as you see these events coming, it's not about, uh, no one's, you know, a true prepper. They long for the day when there's food shortages. They long for it. Why? Because they go, I've got it. Someone says, I ran out of toilet paper. They go, I got some. (laughs) You should have prepared. You see, I was a lot smarter than you, and I bought 80 of these at Costco. And I went back in. I stood in the line. I went back in. Just kept going back in. Uh, You know, uh, the true prepper thinks that they can somehow beat beat the system. I want to tell you, this isn't about... You being a prepper, there is preparation to take, but it's not about stockpiling food and figuring out ways that uh, you can uh, escape the nation against nation, the kingdom against kingdom. Um, as we look at this, we see, it goes on verse 9, he says, then, then they will deliver you up to uh, tribulation and be put to death and you'll be hated uh, by all the nations for my namesake. And, and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And there will be many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because of lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Uh, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed uh, throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations and then the end will come. If you look at this section where he's talking, it's a general plan uh, or a general first part or characteristics of the plan. He speaks of death and the hatred for God and his people. Uh, I think that's interesting. That, um, and, and it's true all the time, but especially, especially it'll be intense uh, God's people, the nation of Israel, are hated. They're hated, right? They've always been hated. Um, and, and now they're really going to be hated. Why? Because they're uh, attached or connected with God. It says there'll be many false prophets. Uh, th- this idea that many will say, I speak for God. I know something that you don't know uh, and you need to listen. There are many false prophets and seek to lead people away. It says lawlessness will increase. I think that most of us uh, um, have a tough time with that because we say, well, lawlessness, 
Uh, we see lawlessness everywhere, and it will increase. It will be more so in a dramatic fashion, more than we are experiencing now. He also says the gospel will go to the whole world and then the end. Gospel of the whole world and then uh, to the end. This is in this period of tribulation. But know this, that it's uh, the tribulation, um, but it's the not yet birth pains. Even this difficult period will be the not yet birth pains. This tribulational period that we're speaking of will be different than anything we've ever experienced because it's more intense and unbearable. We're always drawn to stories where people go through difficult times and they succeed. They come out of it, right? We, we're drawn to those stories. I want to tell you that this tribulational period will be crushing, will be crushing. If you skip down into Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, uh, he goes into a specific time period, and I see this as the second half of this tribulation. And uh, he speaks of really one specific event that kicks off this second period of time. Matthew chapter 24, verse 15 says this, So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet of Daniel standing in the holy place. Do you see how it says that right there? Daniel, the book of Daniel. That's one I know because he, it makes it clear, right? That points back to what I've already read, right? Um, uh, so when the abomination desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Uh, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is in the housetop, housetop not go down to uh, take what is in the house. Uh, and let not the one in the field turn back uh, to take his cloak. And alas, women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Or on a Sabbath. Uh, verse 21, For then there will be a great tribulation such as not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. Okay? So we see this one event, this abomination of desolation, this one event being the worst or enter, ushering in the worst period of time ever. I think that's important to put in perspective because you can look at all the wickedness in history. And let, let me tell you about history for a minute. Okay, let me tell you about history. Um, uh, some people will say... Uh, History is cyclical. It goes like this. You know, we do a dumb thing, we figure it out, and then we come back and we make the world a better place. And, you know, oh, then we do it again. And it just kind of goes around and around. And, uh, why do we study history? We study history uh, so we learn from the mistakes so that we're not doomed to repeat them or do- doomed to repeat them. And uh, there is some evidence in Scripture that normal courses of history are like that. We even uh see this especially in the Old Testament, the cycles of sin, right? We see the cycles of sin, the relationship of God with his people, they're they're good and they experience his blessing, and then they get lazy and think that they're really hot stuff, and they start worshiping stuff and self, and they walk away into sin, and then God brings them back, and there's this cycle, right? We see this. Um other people say, well, uh, 
it's linear. It's linear. It's not cyclical. It's linear. It's just changing and going like this and uh, different times and pieces. And maybe that's a little bit more accurate. But, but they, they kind of think, well, we are deciding what line we're on and where, where the destination is. And, uh, and, and maybe even saying, well, it's a, just the destination is the end and then it's nothing. <laughs> I want to tell you that history, as we look at the scripture, there's a beginning and then there's an end, a conclusion, a conclusion. And it's not about man working out their plan. It's about God working out his plan. That's very important for us to know right now. God is working out his plan. And so as we look at this, we realize that I will fit into this. I will fit into this. Not my ideas change this, the scripture to, to fit my. Think about that right now. I know, I know you got hopes and plans. I know you got dreams. I, I know you even have generational things for uh, your family and what you hope for them. But I want to encourage you to think in terms of what does God have for your family? What's going on in this world right now? What are you preparing your kids for? What is God doing in the world and where is this world going as a part of his plan? He says there will be a be great tribulation. And, and this is distinct from tribulation, right? Uh, he talked about uh, things that were going to happen. And he says, no, 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 that's not it. That's just the birth pains. He spoke of tribulation that would be a part of a believer's life and one who follows after him. And he says, that's just normal tribulation. But this is somehow special or great tribulation. One that sets itself apart as uh, different from anything that had happened in the world until then and would never happen again. And then he describes a few pieces of it in verse 22. He says, and in those days... Uh, And if those days had not been cut short, those days of tribulation they just spoke of, no human would be be saved. Uh, But for the sake of the elect, those days were cut short. Verse 23, then if uh, anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, and there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Uh, see, I have told you beforehand. So if they, they say, look, uh, he is in the inner room, do not believe it. Whereas the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so there will be, uh, will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, the vultures will gather. So what do we see in this specific time? Uh, definitely the abomination desolation. Definitely. And what is that? Let me, let me try to give you a, a little bit of a picture of what that is. First of all, uh, the, the idea of abomination is to ruin something by desecrating it. It's the idea of um, something sacrilegious or blasphemous. It, it's a idolatry, if you will. It's, it's the idea of taking something that's, that's precious and, and made by God and ruining it uh, by... Uh, doing that which is wrong, abomination. And then desolation is the idea of ruining something so that nothing good is left. 
Nothing good is left. And so you put these two things together, the abomination, desolation. This describes this event. And so as we look and we piece together some things from Daniel and the book of Revelation and some other passages as well, this passage, uh, we know this, that Antichrist will come and in the middle, somewhere of these tribulational times, uh, there will be this event, the abomination, desolation. His blasphemous idolatry uh, will bring to ruin that which was worth to God. Uh, brings about def- uh, desolation, to, defiles the holy place uh, that is at the heart of Israel. So we think about this and we will get to some of these pieces uh, in Daniel and Revelation. But like uh, you have to have a temple to do this in. And so part of this is the rebuilding of the temple, which will happen during this tribulational time. Um, and this Antichrist coming to power that he would present himself as the one to be worshipped instead of uh, Christ himself. We see in this, and, and he, he just says it. He doesn't detail it. He says, it's so bad. It's so bad that it had to be cut short. It has to be cut short. And I want to give you a picture right now. I don't know if this will be helpful for you. But um, we struggle with wickedness in the world. Why is there evil in the world? We, we ask this all the time. Uh, why, when we see uh, people, you know, uh, we have quite a few families in some form of law enforcement where you have to see wicked things all the time. And we, we wonder why. Why does God allow that? Why does God allow that? And we don't have great answers for that other than him being God and he knows and I'm a child and I don't understand. But the picture in my mind, and maybe this is helpful, maybe it isn't. If it isn't, just forget about it. Um, if you can picture that, that the scripture tells us that Satan is in charge or in control of this world right now. But the picture that in my mind that comes about is he's driving. He's driving. He's in the car. He's driving. But God sits beside him with the hand on the wheel. And it's not grabbing it and, and directing it, but it's saying you will stay within these parameters. You'll stay, you know, there will be wickedness. You'll be able to do what you want to do, but not... Not in a way that it's hands off, do whatever you want. As you look at this tribulational time, there's a, a, greater, a, a greater freedom, maybe even a pulling away, but ready. And so you see things spiraling out of control and more wickedness and more death and more persecution and more ugly stuff. And, and this idea of, of things falling apart, showing, showing Antichrist what life would be like with him. But as you see the end of these times, and we're not going to go much into them, there's this idea where God puts his hand on the wheel and his hand on the Antichrist and pushes him out and says, i got a spot for you. i got a spot for you as I take control and as I really show uh, what life will be like with me forever. So bad that it had to be cut short. And once again, once again in this section, it talks about false prophets and false Christs. And, and I want to I just warn you about that, that there's always this temptation. One of the greatest temptations of this life 
is to find another Jesus, to follow another man, to put your hope in someone as a Savior that's not a Savior, that's not the one that's worthy uh, for eternity. And so as we see this, this coming up over and over again, this deception of false prophets in Christ, this time of tribulation will be marked by it. We come to chapter 24, verse 29. Yeah, it says this, immediately after the tribulation, immediately after that, right after that. And I, w- I want to tell you that, um, do you know why there's a bunch of charts about this time? Because it's super confusing. And so if someone's like, the engineers got to it, and they're like, I got to write this down. You know, I got to put it in a chart and a column, you know. Uh, Jesus, Jesus didn't give us that, but th- this, that's what our desire is. It says, but verse 29, it says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Uh, then will appear in heaven sign, the, the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect uh, from the four winds uh, from one end of heaven to the other. This section is talking about Jesus coming at the end. So you have the seven-year period, and then after that, he comes. And, and I want to tell you, um, I don't believe it's like uh, a time clock at the hockey game. Uh, there's 10 seconds on the clock. I know he's coming. I know he's coming. There, there's this idea of we have a seven-year period of time, and like what day, like, like we, don't, we don't know that. And part of that, we'll show that here too, there's this reoccurring theme of you don't know the time you don't know the time and you'll hear that over and over again when it comes to all these events you don't know the time but he he connects this and he says immediately after this tribulation period you know the the sequence if you will um jesus will come back jesus will come back and as you see this this is hard for us to get but he says you've seen the word elect in this passage quite a few times that God is referring to his people during that period of time as being ones he draws to himself for himself as part of his plan. During this period of time, he's he's drawing the elect. He's drawing those uh, who he has a plan for their life and he's drawing them out of, um, because of the rejection of this world, he is drawing them out of that. Um. As we move on, I really want to highlight this. I already alluded to it, but in verse 36, um, remember this, remember this. Verse 36, it says, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son. Nor the Son? Um, But the Father only. What an amazing thing to know. Uh, It that Jesus is waiting on the Father. When shall I go back? When, when is it time? And, and sometimes, uh, you know, it's happened. It's happened over and over again, right? People have said, I know the day. I figured it out. I was reading the Old Testament, and there's 
712 pages in my Bible and I figured it out. Like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. In fact, if you have a date, it's wrong. <laughs> it's not going to be the date because no one knows. And so there's this, this idea, how do you prepare for a date you don't know what's coming? How do you know about that day? How do you prepare for that? Well, the obvious answer is you're always prepared. You're always prepared. And thankfully, there's not much to be prepared for, by the way. <laughs> right? Uh, some of you are crazy preparers. Crazy. Uh, you know, you're, you're like a kid waiting for their birthday. And they say, you know, I'm super excited. Why are you excited? My birthday's in September. Hey, kid, do you know anything about the calendar? <laughs> We're not even close to September. We've got a lot to do before that. No, no, no. You, you're, you're prepared, and so you're laying out clothes. You're packing things. You're, you're, you know, some of you even, uh, to prepare, you clean. Like, I want to tell you, um, do not clean your house waiting for the end time things to come, right? Because when we abandon things, who cares? Who cares what it looks like, right? It's somebody else's problem. Uh, right? It's all going to burn anyways, right? Um, I want to encourage you about this. He says, he makes it clear that no one knows the time. And then he gives some examples. He says, for a, as in the days of Noah, you remember Noah? Remember him? Uh, quite an amazing picture in the uh, Old Testament. For in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came up and swept them away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Think about that. What were they doing? And you say, uh, well, why were they talking about marriages and stuff like that? We had a young couple that just got married in the last week. You know, we got another one coming up. Uh, Paget kid, you know, good stuff. And, and what is that? What, what is that? What is getting married? It's living life, right? It's, it's doing stuff. And in the midst of doing stuff and, and being about uh, living life as what we should be doing, I want to tell you there's a greater event than that. Um, weddings are big events and having babies are big events. And uh, there's a lot of things in your life that you're like, man, this is a huge deal, huge deal. But compared to these events, and specifically the, the second coming of the Lord, it's not much, right? And it's shocking even. In the days of Noah, it was shocking to them. They, they thought, this will go on forever. Not for you. He gives another example in verse 40. He says, then two men will be in a field and one will be taken and one will be left. End of the tribulation. This is what's going to happen. Uh, verse 41. Two women uh, will be grinding at the mill, and one will be taken and one will be left. Why? What is this? Well, uh, one of those elect tribula um, tribulational saints, and one is not. And, and, and there's this idea that Jesus is taking that which is his. He's come back for them. Verse uh, 42. 42, therefore stay awake, uh, for you do not know the day of the Lord, uh, on what day the Lord is coming. Verse 43, but know this, that if, a master, uh, if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake 
and would not have left his house broken into. Therefore, all you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. It's a simple teaching that we don't know when the second coming of the Lord is coming, when he is coming, when the exact time. And it's somewhat ridiculous to say the thief does not call up and say, hey, I'll be there at 2.30 in the morning. And uh, most uh, of you here would say, we'll be ready for you. Yeah, as a good Kern County uh, gun-toting person, we'll be ready for you. So you get this piece from Matthew as he speaks of the Lord, and he, he, he speaks of what Jesus is sharing with his disciples as God's people would be ready, God's uh, loved nation Israel would be ready. You see this, this second coming of the Lord at the end of the tribulational period. Um. I want to give you something, and uh, there's more details in the book of Revelation, but we, I just couldn't get there this morning. I, I, it's just a lot to get through. Um, but I want to I turn you back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And, and I want to bring in another event um, that's not really part of the tribulation uh, time period. Um, it is what we refer to as the rapture of the church. Um, and, and I want to tell you, so, so what's happening now? And I'd say this, the church is being the church. What are we supposed to be doing right now? The church is supposed to be the church, the bride of Christ, that we're supposed to be living and, and going about sharing the good news of the gospel and uh, being part of what Jesus said, I will build my church. I will be a part of establishing my church here on earth to do my work, to share my gospel. That's what we're doing right now. And to uh, the degree we're doing it well or poorly, um, you know, we, we are. We're part of that. You know, we're fumbling through it. This is what's happening right now. I want to tell you it's the most important thing that's happening right now. It's more important than getting your weeds cut by June 1st. It's more important than making a living. It's, it's more important than uh, even, you know, making sure your kids are potty trained. And like, you should do that, by the way, right? We had an accident in the nursery. It was devastating a couple weeks ago. Uh, it was scarring for my son, Caleb. My son, Caleb, is the youth director. And I don't know how he, he got to clean up poop in the nursery. And I'm sure he thought that that wasn't in his realm of responsibility, but... It's good preparation for other things, isn't it? Um, maybe a picture of what you do as a youth director, too. Anyways, uh, um, what was I talking about? Yeah. So uh, I, I want to tell you that, that, that the church is what the Lord's doing right now. And, and there are some events, and, and we are not uh, the nation of Israel here. And, but, but he's working on us, and he's gracious to do so. And he has an amazing, gracious plan for us. Um, and and I, let's, let's get to it. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. God's word says this. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, those who have died, uh, 
that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. There it is, right? There it is. That's what we believe, that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Okay? This is what Jesus is going to do at a time. Uh, For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. And then it says this, verse 16, For the Lord himself will descend from the heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Um. I want to give you some things here. So uh, I want to first say this, that uh, I respect a lot of Bible teachers. I have have some favorites that I go to over and over and over again. Um, They don't all agree on how this all falls together. And I want to tell you, someone's wrong. Someone's wrong. And it might be you this morning, and it might be me, okay? But as I see this passage, um, I see the rapture and the, the second coming of Christ as being two separate events. The rapture of the church coming prior to the tribulation of the seven-period time. I'm not going to put this up on a chart. Um, just know that that's what Pastor Kevin believes. I could be wrong. You could be wrong. John could be wrong. The other John could be wrong. I'm not talking about John in the scripture. I'm talking about John Piper, John MacArthur. Um, and a bunch of other Johns probably too. Uh, David Jeremiah and others that I, I look to. The, the, there's some great men who have tried to, and, and this is difficult, okay? But know this, know this. This event is going to happen for his church. Whether it happens right before the tribulation, which is what I believe, and uh, one man in the church sharing about this this last summer, he goes, oh, he took the favorite one, huh? He didn't want to go through the tribulation, huh? And I said, you're right, I didn't. But I also think it's the right one. Um, but uh, uh, he says, I don't want you to be uninformed. He's concerned about uh, thinking about the, the resurrection of those who have passed away. Uh, and for those, what's going to happen? And he describes what's going to happen in the end. He says in verse uh, 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and the voice of the archangel with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Um, If you look at what happens uh, with Christ's second return, it's different. He comes down to earth. He doesn't meet him in the air. There's some other things Uh, that are different about these two events. All this to say this, all this to say this, do not worry about the tribulation. Do not worry about it. Why? And you say, why? It seems like a fearful thing. I want to tell you, it is a fearful thing. But because of what Christ has done, because of him saving you, remember we we started with the the passage... um, let me go back to that. 
In 1 Thessalonians, could you get there for me, Larry? Chapter 5, uh, 9, through, uh, 9 through 11. You, you look at this, and, and, and what is this tribulational period? I want to tell you, it's the period where Antichrist has his way. It's the best the opposition can do, and it's a mess. It's disgusting. And, and what happens in the end? Jesus says this, no more, no more. You will not be at the wheel anymore. You will not be in charge. Uh, I think it's accurate to say this. How did Jesus come the first time? How did he come? As a baby. And, and you see all these events of Jesus coming the first time. It's all this humble, he comes as a baby, you know. He rolls into town, nobody cares about him. He gets stuck in the, you know, the place where the animals hang out. You know, there's, there's all these humble, 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 humble things that come. And, and he's winsome in that, right? We, we look to him and we see his greatness, even in his humility. I, I want to tell you, as you look to the second coming and what he's coming, he will be humble no more. He will come in glory. And, and, and there will be this uh, anger, wrath that will be poured out on those who have rejected him. And, and I want you to... Uh, section also of day of the Lord. Uh, you see that in Scripture. It speaks of the coming of the day of the Lord. And I, I want to tell you that the day of the Lord, uh, it marks that uh, the day of man is over. Uh, the day of doing your own thing is over. The day of the Lord has come. The day of the Lord has come. And I, I want to tell you that Christ will um, remove His church, He'll bring His tribulational saints. He will uh, gather his people, and then he will bring his judgment. He'll bring his judgment. Uh, the Antichrist seems significant. He seems uh, even to be feared at moments. But know this, in the end, um, the church will be preserved. God's people will be preserved. And Jesus will bring about his judgment. A few things to tie up our time Next week, we'll go back to the book of Daniel, but we'll be popping back in to the book of uh, Revelation and other New Testament passages as we see more. Uh, a few things. I have five this morning. I usually only have three, and so, sorry. Um, sorry, not sorry. Um, know this. The time is coming. The time that is coming is much worse. The time is coming is much worse. There are some ridiculous people who talk about progress. We're making progress, you know, and through computers, we're going to be able to create a better world. We've had computers for a while. Is the world getting to be a better place? Um, we can mess up things in a faster rate because of these computers. I want to tell you that uh, it doesn't talk anything really about computers in the Scripture, but it does speak of days more difficult in the, in the future. Second thing, um, Antichrist will have a time. He will have a time, but he will also have an end. He will have a time, but he will have an end. I, I want to tell you that, um, you know, your mom taught you that this too shall pass. I want to tell you that all you read about uh, of the Antichrist, uh, he will have a time, but it will have an end as well. There will be end to him. There will be a destination, a lake of fire. There will be a punishment. 
And so uh, know this, that as you read that, don't be fearful, but know that it will have an end. Thirdly, I would say this, there's a rapture of the church. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a part of his church. Um, you're not a member of this church, though, okay? We have a special membership class. That, I'm just teasing. Uh, we do have a membership class. And we want you to be a member. We want you to be identified with this place. But know this, that coming to faith in Jesus Christ has you a spot in his church. He has brought you into his household. You are now part of his family. And, and I, I tell you that, and that's what's important. Why? Because it's the rapture of the church. They are snatched. They were brought out there. Meet him in the air, and, and it's going to happen any time. I, I think the, the great danger that we, we have is this, that we say, oh, well, time's getting short. Time's getting short. And I want to tell you that we could have been snatched last week. We don't, there's no events that, like, it doesn't have to get worse it doesn't say uh, there's all these events regarding the... It just says, you're not going to know the time. He's going to get you. And he's going to draw you up and we'll meet him in the air. And, and I want you to get that picture that this is not something that we can calculate or should calculate. Some of you are like doing your homework in high school, right? You say, oh, I don't need to do it now because it's due at the end of the semester. Like, I can wait. I don't have to trust him today. Like, you know, uh, I'll wait for things to get worse. I want to say, hey, don't wait for things to get worse. The rapture of the church is coming. We, we trust in that. We know that the Lord will, will bring us. He's faithful to us. He promises us his presence. He promises us that we will be with him forever. Number four, the gospel prepares us for days such as these. Remember, we're destined for salvation. Not in a sense of all mankind, but those who have trusted in the gospel are prepared. You know, the salvation will be a, a, a come to fruition in these events. Uh, we're prepared. We don't need to know the time. We're always prepared. I, I want to tell you something. I, I want to bring this up. I should have brought this up earlier. If I, if I really got to the point of why you're here this morning, many of us would say, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. I'm fearful. Struggling with sins. Struggling with guilt of the things that I have done that nobody knows about. I have hurts and weaknesses in me, and I just go, oh, I'm, I'm a mess. I want to tell you, that's true. You are a mess. This pastor is a mess. Struggle with many things. But I want to tell you, there's a bigger issue that you need to worry about than your mess. That just reveals where you're at, right? That, that's just some indicators of, of what's going on in you right now. The biggest issue that we have is that Jesus is coming back. That these events will happen. And apart from us trusting in Jesus Christ, we will be an object of his wrath. Not saved, but an object of his wrath. Uh, those other things, those sins, our marriages, the way we're raising our kids, these other things, they're, they're just reminders. They're just reminders of we can't even do the simple things, right? Of our weaknesses. 
We need him for eternity primarily, but we also need him for everything else. Um, I won't point out who she is, but she posts these funny things on Facebook all the time. And there's two gorillas sitting there at a tree. And the one says to the other in the bubble, it says, you know, you need Jesus to go to heaven. Gorillas don't go to heaven, by the way. Uh, But you need Jesus to go to heaven. And the other gorilla looks at him and says, I need Jesus to go to Walmart. You know, and I thought that's true, right? (laughs) That's true. We, we have eternal issues, eternal issues that, that we're an object of his wrath apart from Jesus. But we also struggle with all the other stuff down here, right? The gospel prepares us for days such as these. And lastly, I would say this, persevering faith. When, when will we stop trusting in Jesus? When will we stop following him? I want to tell you when it's over, Right? Then we'll go to be with him forever. Our faith will become sight, right? And, and I want to tell you, uh, for those of you who are on the right team, we're persevering until the rapture. And if I'm wrong, and if I'm wrong, we're persevering with him until part of the tribulation. And, but, but even beyond that, we will persevere with him till the end, till he takes us home persevering faith. This is what we do for this life until we're with Him. Please join with me in prayer. God, thank you uh, for the confidence we have because of Jesus, not because we can even uh, sort out all that's going to go on, but that we know that Jesus died, He rose again, and that because of the promises of Scripture, because of what you've shared with us, we know that we are included in this plan, and that we will be with you forever. God, we don't know the time, and yet we struggle with believing, and we struggle with seeing the issues of this life. I want to tell you, God, that that you would give us faith to persevere to the end. Please. We know that you're strong enough. We know that we are too weak. God, we ask that you would do uh, in us that we would be that church that you've talked about that you are growing and working on. Uh, God, help us to be faithful. God, thank you for your church. Uh, Cause us to love you in the days that you give us here. In Jesus' name, amen.